Welcome to the Speak Life Podcast. What we do at Speak Life is apply truth to reality. We know life is very difficult as it is, but it's a lot harder when you are not basing your life off of truth. We hope you enjoy. Well, welcome to the Speak Life Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Blighty. I think I might be even more ecstatic that you tuned in today because that means the first podcast didn't scare you away. Uh, As always, my hope is that you're blessed and you are strengthened in your faith for investing your time with us today. We always have a goal here at Speak Life. Our goal is to discover biblical truth and then apply it to life's realities. Again, we want to find the truth in Scripture and use it to live in the real world. Today we will discuss part two of a series called How to Live the Life God Created You For. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to part one, then I highly suggest you do. Each podcast in this series builds off the one before, and it's critical that you lay a good foundation as we move forward. So let's do a very quick recap from the first podcast. Scripture taught us that God created you. He created me. Matter of fact, he created all things for one reason and one reason only, and that's for his pleasure. Now, we don't have a say in the matter. Since he's the creator, he defines our purpose. Therefore, we learn that our apex purpose in life is for our lives to be pleasing to him. That's it. This is such a significant revelation, and I hope you've had a chance to meditate on this thought because it should be the lenses through which we see all of life. Now, since we're his only creation that is made in his image, all of this happens through our relationship to him. God is a very relational God, and we see this throughout all scripture. We talked about how important our thoughts are, because how a man thinks is how a man acts. And if you truly want to live a life that God created you for, then at the forefront of your mind has to be this understanding or thought that he created you for himself. All right, on to this second part titled, Life Advice from Jesus. So Jesus was the one person who walked this earth, and for 33 years, he was never confused about his purpose. Scripture tells us that all he cared about was his relationship to his father and pleasing him. Remember John 8, 29, where Jesus himself says, For I always do what pleases him. Jesus always did the will of the Father. I often joke about how funny this would have been, for one time to hear Jesus telling God, you know, Father, this pleasing thing, this serving others, this turning the other cheek, this not my will but yours thing, man, I just need a break. I'm going to check out for a few minutes here. You know, matter of fact, I'm just going to take the night off. Why don't you check back in with me tomorrow? I need a little me time. It sounds funny, doesn't it? Thinking of Jesus taking the night off just to do what he wanted, for him to be in control of his life and not to be bothered with God's will for him. Well, like I said, in in 33 years, that never happened. And thank God, 
it never did. Now, Jesus had a very clear understanding what his purpose in life was, and that was to please his Father, even if it meant going to the cross. You know, sometimes at the end of the day, as I lay my head on the pillow, I wonder how much of my day, how many hours, how many minutes or seconds, was actually lived in a manner that pleased God. Another way of saying it would be how much of my day was actually lived in obedience to God. Now, I want to make a really important point here. I don't want anybody getting confused in what I'm saying. There is absolutely no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Not for a second am I questioning my salvation, nor am I remotely saying we can somehow earn our salvation. I'm not questioning whether God loves me or who I am in Christ. No, Scripture says that nothing can separate me from his love. I'm simply wondering how many of my free will choices that day pleased him. There's a difference. God can both be pleased with some of my free will choices as well as not being pleased with my decisions while still loving me. Think about it. Why would a loving God be pleased or be happy for me when the choices I'm making are bad for me? And whenever we disobey God, please understand that those types of choices are never in our best interest. See, God only wants what's best for me. So we read in John chapter 17 that Jesus gives us some advice, advice on how to get the most out of life. Here we have the Son of God who becomes a man, who comes down to earth and actually lives life as a human, just like us. He got down in the trenches. He doesn't stand on the sidelines. He actually exchanged his eternal body for one like ours. He obviously gives up a ton of privileges that he had in heaven, and he says yes to the downgrade and comes down to our level with all its limitations and frailties, and struggles, and he lived out his life. In verse 3, we pick up the story toward the very end of Jesus' ministry, and he knows that his life is coming to an end. He knows he's facing death, death on the cross. And he takes the time to deliver this powerful prayer. He prays for himself, I would say understandably so, He prays for his disciples, and he prays for all believers, but not just the ones in earshot, but for all believers to come. So that would be for you and me. Jesus is praying for us as he prays this prayer. And understand the gravity of the moment. This could be considered Jesus' deathbed conversation with his loved ones. And isn't that like him to be facing the cross, and he's praying for you and me, Please listen to what he says. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Jesus says, 
Now this is life, that they know you. So as his life's coming to an end, he's explaining to us what living really looks like. And think of the authority in which Jesus could speak on this topic. I mean, besides being the Son of God, in Scripture we read that he's referred to as the Word of Life, the Resurrection in Life, the Bread of Life, And finally, he's called the author of life. And he would be very worthy of all these titles. I mean, has anybody's life come remotely close to making the impact that Jesus' life did? What a legacy he left. A guy who had a ministry for three short years. I mean, it took me five years to graduate college. And he probably didn't travel more than a 50-mile radius And our calendars are set by his death. I mean, he's the influence behind Christians founding this country, Christians starting the first colleges, hospitals, let alone the transforming power in our own lives this very day. I could obviously go on for a while. I'll just say this, that over 2,000 years later, he's the reason we're still gathering in churches today. And Jesus says, if you really want to live, if you really want to make your life count and experience life to the fullest, if you want your life to have ultimate meaning now and in eternity, if you want to live the life God created you for, then you need to understand one thing. And I'm pointing to my head right now because this needs to be your thought. That all of this is possible by knowing him. Jesus wants you to know that as a child of God, you have the choice to live life on a whole new level. You have the choice to live your life on a whole new plane after salvation. You need to know that you are in a place to experience the impact of God's infinite life in every area of your life. Jesus wants you to know that's why he came. In John 10.10, Jesus says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. That means life to the fullest. Life overflowing. This is what abundant life means. That when you come to the end of your life, you'll be able to look back on it and say, Man, that was even better than I expected. This is what God wants for us. Now, Jesus describes this type of life as eternal life. It's an interesting Greek word used here for the word eternal. It's ionios, and it's an adjective because it's describing a type of life. See, this word does not focus on a future life. Like, you know, when we hear the words eternal life, we always all think of when we eventually get to heaven. Or it's a future place and time. But that's not what this word emphasizes. This word focuses rather on a quality of life. And this is a quality of life that you can have now. Jesus is saying a believer can experience this type of life now. Experiencing this quality of God's life on a daily basis. 1 Timothy 6.12 says, Fight the good fight of faith. 
Now, Timothy is talking to Christians. He says, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you were when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. He's saying as you walk in faith, and later in this series, we will definitely unpack what biblical faith really looks like. That when you walk in faith eternity, this quality invades the present, but only if you partner with God. There is that if you, then I thing again. Jesus said in John 17 that if you know him, then this type of life you will live. With his life on earth coming to an end and his time with his closest friends coming to an end, Jesus uses this precious moment to tell them what's on his heart. Get to know God. Get to know him. That's all that really matters. It's almost jarring, isn't it? The simplistic life advice that he gives. I believe most of us look at this as unrealistic. Like this can't be all the advice that Jesus is going to give. Can you imagine if Jesus was giving a how to live your best life seminar today? Maybe he'd get a chance to open up for Tony Robbins, like at the United Center. He'd walk out on stage, the music would be pumping. The high-resolution graphics would be exploding on the screen. A slick little wireless mic positioned just off his cheek. And he would simply say, You want to live your best life? Point number one, get to know God. There are no other points. Thanks for coming. Think of the disappointment. Think of the outrage. I paid all this money for this people would probably demand a refund. Think of all the things Jesus doesn't mention. Think of all the things that we would probably put on that list. You know, to live our best life. Actually think about that for a second. See if Satan, the father of lies, can get your attention away from what's really important. And get you to put your time and energy into things that won't fulfill. Then he knows you're one step closer to blaming God for your discontentment. We've all been there. Look at how God speaks through the prophet Jeremiah. Because he knows how we're bent. Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. Thus says the Lord, Let not a wise man boast of his wisdom. And let not the mighty man boast of his might. Let not a rich man boast or brag of his riches. But let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For I delight in these things, declares the Lord. Paul would echo the very same thought. In Philippians 3, 4 through 11, Paul says, Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh. Okay, Paul's going to boast a little bit on the things he's accomplished and attained before he really got to know Jesus. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. And Paul was truly accomplished. He was circumcised on the eighth day. 
of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But listen to what he says. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Through this newfound relationship with Jesus, Paul is thinking just a little differently now. See, he has a new theology. He has a new goal. He has a new purpose. So let's break down how the Bible describes this word know or knowing. So we're all on the same page. It's the Greek word ginosko. It means firsthand, intimate knowledge that's gained only through experience. It's the knowing you get when you are personally participating and investing in something or someone. You just can't get this knowledge by standing on the sidelines. It's that I know that I know that I know kind of knowledge because I experienced it. So intimate, in fact, in first hand, this very same word was used when the angel appeared to Mary, telling her she was with child. Luke one thirty four. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? See, Mary would have known better than anybody, and she's saying, I'm telling you, I haven't experienced that yet. This kind of knowledge goes way beyond simply reading or hearing the owner's manual. It's the difference between someone only reading about swimming and someone jumping in a pool and applying or working out what they've just read. You see the huge difference. This type of knowing that Jesus is talking about can only be experienced by obeying God, by applying the Word of God or the Spirit's leading. A real easy way to say this is this, that you get to know God by pleasing God. Oswald Chambers says in his famous devotional that the only part of God you'll ever know, the only part of God that you'll ever experience is the part that you obey. James 1, through 25 says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. 
It's hard to read very much of the Bible without bumping into that if you, then I. See, if you choose to obey God, or again, another way to say it would be if you choose to please him, then you get to experience him. You get to experience his blessing. You get to see another side of God. You get to know him on a deeper level. Colossians 1, 9 through 10. For this very reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Now, verse 10. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. And if you do that, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Paul is simply saying, please him, know him, and good things happen. This is the truth that needs to penetrate your heart right now, your heart and your mind, that pleasing him is always what's best for you. So up to this point, this is the very focused teaching that we have found in the Bible. That at the beginning of time, God created you for his pleasure to please him. And that comes through relationship. And at the very end of Jesus' life, he says that if you really want to live an abundant life, then get to know him. And that only happens when you please him. You have to admit, the Bible is giving us a very focused and to-the-point message. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you real insight into this truth so it just doesn't end up becoming empty words because it should become the clarion focus of your life. Again, if you want to experience the amazing plans he has for you, you've got to do it his way. Next week, we'll break down what the Bible has to say on how a proper relationship with God works. Again, the Bible gives a very specific way that that happens. In the next episode, we will discuss the parameters or the rules to a healthy and vibrant and transformational relationship with God. Do not miss it. Until then, speak life. Thanks for tuning in to the Speak Life podcast. Speak Life is a nonprofit organization and we rely on donations and referrals. If you feel there is an organization or an individual who needs to hear this message, I trust that you will get it into the right hands. If you would like to find out more about us, donate, or leave a testimonial, head over to www.speaklife.world. And lastly, for a list of today's scriptures, you can go to Speak Life Facebook page at speaklife.world. 